Welcome to Industrial Marketing Live. I'm Peyton Warren, a senior strategist here at Gorilla76, the industrial marketing agency, and I am one of your IML hosts. So before we jump into our topic today, I'm gonna give you my little spiel. I wanna kick things off with a quick FYI and an invite. Gorilla76 is collaborating with some amazing industrial marketing partners, True Marketing and Kadena's Part Solutions to host an in-person event so exciting, um, called Industrial Marketing Summit. It's happening in less than 60 days. I'm freaking out. January 31st through February 2nd in Austin, Texas. And we would love to see you there. So if you want to learn more about the event, uh, see who is speaking, get more details on the sessions, um, check out the website. It's industrialmarketingsummit.com. And yeah, it's going to be a great opportunity to learn from practitioners. I see a lot of folks on this call already, um, names that I've seen come through who've registered. So you get to see some IMLers in person too, would be really fun. We're going to have to take a group photo. Um, but if you've got questions about it, give us a shout on LinkedIn or in the IML Slack channel, and we'll get to that. Okay, so now back to our scheduled programming for the show today. We are circling back to a topic request from IMLR Michelle Peak, something that Michelle asked us to cover like earlier this year, and uh, we've just been circling around um, to to get to this topic. But we are finally here, and we are covering high value professional video content for your company. So these are not iPhone clips. We're not talking about making your TikTok videos. Maybe you can transform these into TikTok videos. Great, but this is the type of content that you would want to like unveil in the boardroom, those brand films, the product content, um, that sort of stuff. So to talk about it today, we've got our very own Nick Ticcone, senior videographer at Gorilla76. Welcome back, Nick. Good to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah. And then we've got a bunch of gorillas on the call. So if gorillas, you want to give a wave, feel free to say hi. Um, before we jump into, I also want to say welcome to our newest gorilla strategist, Matthew Wolf. Awesome. Thanks for the intro, Peyton. Glad to be here. I'm in week, what, three now? So uh, good You're to have to speed, right? Yeah, awesome. Cool. Well, uh, with that, Nick, I'm just going to tee it up to you first, you know, uh, give us like just a quick intro about yourself, a little bit about what kind of like video you work you do and um, uh, the work you do here at Gorilla, and then we'll take it from there. Cool. Yeah. Um, so I'm Nick Ticcone, senior videographer at Gorilla. Um, yeah, I've been working in video for the last 10 years or so. Like a lot of people that start out in this kind of stuff, wore a lot of different hats, much like I'm sure all of you do now, um, but just video focused. And over the last few years, really kind of pared down into some like post-production skill sets and really expanding those, but still maintaining a, a finger in different pies for all that stuff. So a lot of what I do for Gorilla is uh, shooting and editing from for all of our different clients and their needs. So that ranges from like Peyton was talking about product videos or brand films that kind of talk about the whole company um, and educational pieces. Um, we come up with a lot of different, there's a lot of different like phrases and words. You'll hear people call similar videos, different things. Um, and so really my job is helping our team figure out what would be 
the most beneficial and how to make the things that our strategists want to plug into the marketing campaigns that we make. So a lot of what I do is is work to execute the strategist visions and try and figure out what what are the needs and distill all that down into something that's going to be valuable for the customer. Definitely. Yeah, I think um, we we hand you a, like kind of a, a loose framework uh, and then Nick makes it happen uh, in, in more ways than one. And I think that's why we felt like this conversation was going to be so valuable today. Is like an idea is one thing, but like how do you actually get to the point where you have not just the concept, but a solid outline, a solid plan, you've got your film crew, you have everything in place you need to create this asset um, that becomes really something of, of a huge showcase of your company or of your product. Um, so yeah, I think the, the big quote that we had that I, I just want to like maybe start with and you know, Nick, I think you said this, like, if you want to do anything elevated, you need to hand the reins over. And so I guess like I, the first question I want to ask is like kind of to the whole group. Um, and I'd be interested if folks would post in the chat, like, do you actually have a videographer on staff at your company? <laughs> Brendan's face. I've never, I don't, oh, I've had people that could do video and they're like, like they used to be like former news people. Uh, when I was at Graco, we had some, but you know that was in our like consumer division. Um, nowhere in the manufacturing division did we have any assets like that. So it was like begging those guys to come over and take a video of my cool pumps. But yeah, it's uh, you know I think most mid market like it's just a, a skill set that you don't need very often. And to think to have someone on staff would that just cost a lot of money when it's like I probably just need someone to help me run ads or do copy or something. Um, I do want to circle back really quickly on the strategic vision piece, because I think, you know, really highly produced video is really nice. But if you don't have a strategy behind it, you're probably going to waste a lot of money, right? So we want to figure out, like, what is the end goal of that piece? What do we want that piece to do, right? Um, is it, like Peyton said, is it a brand film that really highlight, here's who our brand is? Is it a product film that goes into depth on the differentiated value that your product has? Um, you know, me and Nick are trying to figure out, like, how do we do some more like facility tour videos? Uh, we're going to have a conversation about that later today. Uh, like, and so the the thought there is like building trust with our clients or with the client's customer that their facility is nice and it looks good and they can get work done in a fast manner because of the way they have the facility set up. Um, you know, is it like so going on YouTube, right? Does it need to be entertaining so that it catches people's attention and you can still tell a message? And then where are you going to distribute it, right? Like, I, I think it's a big mistake for marketers to just think I'm going to make a piece of content. Like, where are you going to put it? Like, how are you going to get it to the people that need to see it? Because to think like they're just going to come to your website is probably not the right answer unless you have a really solid SEO strategy in place, um, which is pretty difficult to do. So, um, yeah, I think like, what is that end goal? How are you going to distribute it? And like, what resources do you have in-house, right? Like, what is your budget? What timeline do you have? Do you have anybody in-house that can do this? Or like, who around you can do this on a freelancer contract basis? And Nick is going to go into more detail on how to find those people. But I think as, as a, you know, thinking from a strategy perspective, what is that end goal? What resources do you have? And how are you going to get that thing out to your audience? And how are you going to track that that had some sort of result on your business? All right. So how do we like, how do we do that now, Nick? Right? Like, we give you that vision. Like, I want you to do this, right? Yeah. We want to do this product video. Well, how, how should the strategy, you know, especially if we're going to be hiring a freelancer, how do we go about what, what are the first steps of that project? 
Yeah, no. So, and that's, I mean, to talk about, like Brendan said, he and I have a meeting later today to talk about a new deliverable. And we have a lot of stuff that we do that's kind of similar between certain clients. And then when we get something that's new like that, when we do something that we've done before, obviously we're kind of, we're a team, we've worked together, we know what that looks like. But this one, and what likely a lot of you will start out doing is you'll have that intro conversation with the person that's going to be executing it to really get down into the like, what, what is the goal, like Brennan said, and like, what are the things that you have in your mind of will be a success or if it's absent, a failure? That's what, uh, every video project. I worked as a producer before I was at Gorilla, And one of the things that we would do at the start of every project after we would sell video to somebody or somebody came to us asking for something is we'd always have an hour long conversation about goals. You know, my job in that, that meeting was to get out of their head what do they want to see? Who do we need to hear from? You know, what are the big things we need to communicate and come up with those other questions that we need to answer after that meeting? So the biggest thing that you can do at the very start is, you know, write it out, your objectives, what you want to see, things that you think will be, if you see the finished product, what will make you excited to see it? And what will what will you be disappointed if it's not present? You know, and thinking through, do we want to see an interview with the president of the company? Do we need to, is it more of a voiceover thing? You know, thinking through those things just to have an idea. Um, once you kind of have an idea of what it is that you want to actually achieve, then you're going to reach out and start talking to whoever is going to be handling the production for you. Um, and I guess we could talk about like finding those individuals. I don't know if that's a good place to start from here, but, um, you know, a, a lot of people have contacts or friends or somebody that might work in video or film production that you might want to reach out to there. It's always a great place to start. Um, a lot of times whenever we've done freelance work out of state, like if something that I'm not filming and I need to find somebody for a shoot in Louisiana or something like that, um, you know, I'll take to Google like anybody else and just Googling the terms of what you want, videography in the place. Um, and when you're looking through the different companies and websites and individuals uh, that you're seeing there, look for elements of what you want to see in your finished piece. Uh, I talked about voiceover or interview. You know, if you if you know that, you know, hey, our CEO really needs to, or this, this product engineer needs to be in this video because we need to hear from, you know, this person's mouth on what this product is. You need to make sure you find somebody that knows how to light an interview that sounds good. And so you're looking at those individual pieces because, you know, the worst thing you could do would be hire someone that doesn't know how to light an interview. Not to say that that's not, um, or that that's super common, but you do, it's, it's a big consideration, obviously. Yeah. Um, I think oh, go ahead. This goes back to like a, an analogy that came up, um, as we were discussing this, like when you're trying to decide who your wedding photographer is going to be, or who's going to remodel your house, it's like, you, you're still going to like go in and you're going to look at the output of what they produce. Like, does this match the style of what I'm going for? Can they do what I want? Like if you want moody, dark wedding photos, no staged portraits, then you're going to choose a wedding photographer that does that. Um, but if you want cheery portraits of everyone smiling and family photos, then you definitely don't want to go with the moody wedding photographer. You're not going to be happy at the end of the day. Um, so yeah, I think that's just like, generally speaking, that could be somewhere where you, you've chosen a family photographer or you've chosen a, a wedding photographer in the past. Um, how did you go about that and kind of taking the same 
mindset forward into how you would choose your film partner. Yeah, there's a couple of things I think you can go about a project like this too, right? Like Peyton, you said the home remodel thing, right? Like, you know, empty basement, right? I want to go and finish my basement. So you have a couple options, right? It's either I general contract for myself, right? So me as the homeowner, go out and find all the subs, right? The electrician, the drywaller, the plumber, uh, you know, all the people that would go and actually do that. But I have to coordinate schedules. I have to coordinate payments. Like I have to like coordinate materials. Uh, that is a lot of work, right? Um, a video shoot could be the same way, right? You as the marketer can go and say, well, I could just coordinate this, right? So I'll go find the videographer. I'll find the sound person. I'll find the editor and I'll do the producing. It's like, well, yeah, you're probably going to save some money, but it's going to take a lot of your time and a lot of your mental capacity and the end product might not be that good. Right. Or you can do the thing where it's like, I'm just going to hire the general contractor. That is the person that is responsible for this project. One person I have to talk to and they make sure everything is coordinated right. And like Nick said, like you go to a producer or production company, they handle all the details for you. So you can just focus on the project and work with one point of contact to get your vision into place. And then they'll work that for you. Right, Nick? No, totally. And it's that's that kind of goes back to like the things that you want to see and when you're having that conversation, because there's a big sliding scale between, you know, a more polished product video that lives on your website versus some kind of like advertisement for, as an extreme example. You know, the the difference in how the visuals are going to play and like the production that's going to go into that is is a big distinction. And so sometimes uh, a single a videographer or a team like a video team is totally capable of doing that and sometimes you might need a production company if what you're trying to do is a lot bigger and more grand than that um and so the thing is making sure that you can if you feel comfortable taking it on you I mean, you know be ready to take that kind of stuff on because there's a a fair amount of coordination and stuff that needs to happen um, because it's, you know, it all breaks down into three parts. This is something I'm sure most of you are familiar with, but just to say, you know, you, you break it down into your pre-production, your production and your post-production. And pre-production is arguably the most important part because you got to set everything up for success. Otherwise you're going to be scrambling on the day um, and partnering with the right production company or videographer or freelancer or whatever is going to set you up for the success. They're going to ask the questions that you don't know you need to ask. That's why I think it's so important to get down out of your head onto a piece of paper what your goals are. Um, because when you go into that conversation with them, they'll have their own questions and they will bring out the things that you don't know. Because it's not your job to know what you don't know. It's their job to help make sure they pull that out of you. Um, and I think that's kind of like the biggest thing. If you're doing a product video, you need to make sure that your product is there and it needs to look good. If it's a big piece of machinery um, that gets used every day, you want to make sure it's cleaned up by the time you show up to film it. Otherwise, you know, you're filming dirty equipment, which you probably don't want to do. But can't um, we just remove that in post, Nick? Yeah, totally. Uh, sometimes it depends on how much money you want to spend. I'm not good enough to fix certain things. Uh, that's for sure. But I mean, that that's also, I mean, that joke kind of leads to something else too, though, is like, there's a difference between what you're filming and capturing like on your shop floor or in your offices versus, you know, animation and motion graphics and, you know, VFX. And that that's a real thing that there's a totally a place for. It just depends on what you want. And if that's something that you imagine, you know, you need to communicate that to whoever's helping you to create this video. And you also need to make sure you're looking to see that they have the skill set to achieve that. Because a lot of people 
not that they're lying, but there's a, you know, there's a sliding scale of how good certain people are at doing certain things. So you obviously, if it's a great cinematographer who maybe understands some motion graphics, but doesn't do the degree that you're looking for, that could be an issue when you get in there. So it's good to communicate and ultimately budget to be able to pay for that if that's something in there. So I guess to like get into maybe some like practical specifics here, like, so your first meeting with that videographer, like, so you've done some research, you've reached out, you said, Hey, let's have, let's have a conversation about this project. Mm -hmm. What are the sorts of things that you as the marketer or or you, you want the marketer to bring to that meeting, Nick? Yeah. Um, I, in the simplest terms, what is this video about is kind of the most important thing. And from there we can figure everything else out, but what is this video about and who do we need to see in here? Um, I think those are the two biggest, like opportunities for misaligned expectations that I like to get just as plain and simple. And then help me understand what it is that we're, what this is about, you know, your product, you know, a lot about, but the freelancer, whoever you're bringing in doesn't know anything about it potentially. So you need to make sure that you're communicating what it is that those things are. So giving them an understanding is a big piece of it. Um, And then where, where are we filming this? You know, is this something that we are going to be filming on your shop floor? Uh, Is this something we're filming in your offices? Um, we like to make sure that people are aware that we're going to be coming in and filming, uh, not just so that they're aware and comfortable being on camera, but also that workstations are cleaned up. You know, everybody has that coworker with the messy desk on the day we're filming in there. It'd be really great if they get that stuff cleaned up because ultimately, you know, film is forever. You're going to be looking at this for a while. So if it's going to bother you to see it, you know, in six months from now, it's worth spending the time to, to clear those things up. Um, but big things in that introduction meeting is really getting the about finding out who are the key players we need to see from, or do you want to hear voiceover and talk to me about style? Talk to me about what kind of visuals are you imagining to talk to about the wedding photographer analogy? Is this, is this more moody? Is it kind of dark? Is it industrial? Do we like grit? Do you know, do we want to see some dirt and stuff going on? Cause that's the kind of work that we do. It's tough, hard work that we want to communicate visually. Or do we need to be super clean and and be very, very polished and bright with how we're presenting it? So a lot of those things, they can be inferred. um, And a lot of creatives will take creative liberty based off of the input that you're giving them. I say to you to consider it when you're going into that meeting, because if you have it in your mind, you know, if you imagine it as this bright, clean thing, but they're kind of leaning into this kind of grittier version, obviously you're at odds. So you you have to communicate that to them. also communicating timeline and where where is this piece going to live? Is this going to be embedded on your homepage? Um, or do you need this cut down into a different aspect ratio as well to put into a social media feed? You know, a lot of people, when you're starting out with projects like this, most people will default to filming in 16 by 9, you know, full screen on your laptop, um, which is good. And I think looks better than most other social media aspect ratios, but I'm a snob about that. Um, but you know, if you if you want to chop this up and put it to where it takes up more space on your LinkedIn feed or Instagram or wherever you want to put your stuff, um, you need to consider that. Um, so understanding what deliverables that you're expecting at the end of this. Hey, it's the same edit, but I need it in a square ratio as well because um, those have different different needs. Uh, and then also considering where where that's going to be hosted. Some people, you know, most companies have a YouTube channel that you can throw that stuff up to. And you embed from there. Do you have? Do you need to set up a YouTube channel because your company doesn't have one yet? Those are good things to know. But 
Um, yeah, I think like figuring out what the main goals are, what do you need and want to see, be that people, uh, places, processes, uh, equipment, and then figure out where is this ultimately going to live? Um, is this only goes on our homepage or our website, so we just need a 16 by 9, or do we need to put it in some social media aspects? Um, oh, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, um, and I'm putting him on the spot here, but Jacob, if you want to come uh, off of mute, um, it would be cool to hear from you. You were talking about how you have several different video series that you do with your company um, and, and kind of like, I, I would just like to hear more about like the way that you've started to look at those. If you look at them differently, how you've tackled them. Um the balance, that sort of thing. For sure. Can you hear me? Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. <clears throat> hey, first time listener here. I think this is a really cool thing that you guys are doing. Woo! Awesome. Welcome. <laughs> um, so yeah, we we really started ramping video in 2020. Whenever COVID hit, we had to find a really creative way to still connect with customers without being able to go into their shops. Um, and so uh, we found that video was a great uh, kind of uh, channel for that. So yeah, we've got a, a bunch of different series that we that we do right now. We were actually just on a two-day video shoot last week filming our next episode of In the Shop, like our, our educational series. And, and so, um, yeah, each of our different, let, let's say, like video series focuses on a different uh, part of the conversation that's important for us to have and for important for, you know, our customers to kind of understand um, the different levels of value that we bring to them uh, in, in our relationship. And so like, let's say the first one is, uh, let's call it an application spotlight. So we manufacture CNC grinding machines uh, and and our machines are very highly engineered, very complex, like I think everybody probably on this call would say. Um, but, you know, uh, a lot of people see kind of grinding is like this, like, you know, long, far off kind of mysterious thing. And so we're trying to bring that more uh, center focus and show that, you know, these are the applications our machines make. These are the processes that we uh, employ to make them. And if you have parts that are similar or have similar forms, feel free to contact us. We'd be happy to talk with you about your project. Um, our customer spotlight side of things is I've been kind of uh, following this chat a little bit. This is what we use to help our customers tell their stories because I see, you know, our efforts is is uh, mutually beneficial in this area for sure. You know, so our customers are proud about the work that we're doing. We're proud about the work that our customers are doing, especially if they're using our, our equipment to do it. And this is our opportunity to help our customers you know, share their business, share their expertise, showcase the high-end equipment that they have on their shop floor. Uh, and it just so happens that it's our equipment. So, you know, it's a, it's kind of a, a great, you know, mutually beneficial kind of a thing. And then our In the Shop series, this is more, uh, let's say, educational focus. This helps um, people, machine operators, people working on shop floors understand what problems, uh, you know, they're likely to encounter and then how to overcome them. So the one that we shot last week um, was focusing on the value of field service. So we had our field service manager and we did kind of like a ride along shoot with him, uh, kind of like cops, you know, back in the 90s or whatever. Um, and so he went to three different customers in the field and he saw field service technicians, what, what uh, kind of... Uh, 
repairs they were making in the field or services they were performing and you know what people should look for that are symptoms that their machine is likely to need service in the future. Uh, and so our focus is always trying to highlight the value that the content we're producing will deliver to viewers. So hopefully that's helpful. Yeah, I think that's super cool that you guys have like, you've decided there are three different like goals, right? So you created three different series. Um, folks are kind of asking in the chat too, and, and I don't know if this is something that you've encountered, Jacob, like in, in your role, but I'd also be like open this to back up to the gorilla team too. But like, um, you know, do you have any issue like getting onto the floor with your customers or like struggle with like what you're allowed to show or not? Uh, I'm just looking at Julie's question here, which is might, might be a little bit different, which is about, you know, there's just sometimes there's situations that are protected, like it's protected property, protected intellectual property. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So we we work with a lot of defense contractors as well. We also do some defense projects. So we have our ITAR regulations, our EAR regulations, things that we can and cannot show on camera. That's always something that we're sensitive about whenever we go into customer shops. Uh, so whenever we're capturing B-roll footage, we're always, you know, asking like, so for instance, last week we were in a customer shop. He said, you can film anything in this room except for what's on that pallet. So we're like, great. Uh, so, uh, you know, we obviously respect that. We never publish anything in the public domain until the customers whose shops, whose shop we were in has seen it and blessed it first. Uh, so that's another way that we're able to help lower the guard uh, for people whenever we're trying to bring a video crew into their shop. We're like, you will, nothing will see the light of day until you've given your blessing. So that's a way to kind of help ease that um, tension. Yeah, that's smart. I mean, and you 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 have to do that. I mean, it's not worth risking the relationship at all. So, and that's a consideration. Everybody's pretty familiar with that. There's usually something or someone who just doesn't want to be on camera for whatever reason. But yeah, if you're freelancing stuff out, there should be a review process um, for more than just making sure that things that shouldn't be on camera aren't on camera, but to make sure you're happy with it. But that's cool. It sounds it sounds like a really rad project you guys are doing. Yeah, it is. It's, it is cool. And and you we're we're um fortunate that we actually we we have a video marketing agency that we actually were their first customer uh so like they've really been over backwards and and uh like they'll like we've sent them to massachusetts and to texas and to chicago like they travel for us and we've got dedicated team that produces all of our videos so it's a it's a unique situation well it probably helps with the relationship too as far as it's probably easier for you guys to do what you do now that you've been working together for three years, I guess you said you started in 2020. So I'm sure your communication is totally different from when it started. A thousand percent. Whenever I, so, and I write the scripts and all this stuff. And so whenever I put in beauty shot of the machine, there's no question what we're looking for, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's a visual language that you establish when you get to work on similar projects for it. And you know what to expect out of them. You know what their interpretation is of a beauty shot, and they know what you're looking for based off that revision. So it's it's cool whenever you work with an outside group like that, if you're able to build that working relationship. Obviously, we're all familiar with how smooth things go when it's a repeat vendor situation. So and that's no different. Awesome. Uh Talking like moving forward a little bit to like maybe the shoot itself. And um, yeah, Jacob even just mentioned like writing a script, but like, I think there's like an element of like 
okay, is it an interview? Uh, is it a voiceover? Like, what are you trying to capture while you're there? And so folks have had questions in the chat about that whole interviewing process and like, just like how important it is. So, um, yeah, I guess I'd kind of like to talk about that for a moment, uh, too. And just like, of course you got to have the person you're going to interview there. They've got to be mic'd up all the thing, but like the content, like, like making sure that you're capturing the right information. Yeah. About doing that. Yeah. So I guess, I mean, to we'll back up and stay in pre-production a little bit more, but after that initial meeting that I talked about where, you know, you spend an hour or however long making sure you get everything that you want, the way we like to work um, and the way I found is best is from that conversation, I'll do an outline. Um, and that outline reads pretty, it's, it's kind of boring. It's a list of information, but it's presented in a way that tells you what, what information is going to come out in the video and in what order. Um, and I'm focused on details of, uh, you know, we, here we intro the company. We give, we mention the company was founded in 2007 by this person specializing in this. You know, if you want it in the video, it needs to be represented in that outline. You know, if it's really important to you to say the company was founded in 2007 or that, you know, this press has this kind of spec to it, that needs to be in your outline. Because I, when I make a video, um, when we make a video here at Gorilla, we use that outline as kind of our Bible for, if it's if it's in there that we need to make sure we're covering that, um, and also giving uh, some kind of reference as to where the information is coming from. But that outline is kind of the first loose, nebulous pass of what information are we getting and in what order. And then when we send that to a client, that's that's the opportunity for them to say, "Hey, this actually we're not going deep enough on this piece of the puzzle that we wanted to, or we we missed a section. I really wanted to make sure we talked about our customer support in this piece, so we need to make sure we hit that part on it." And so that's nice because it's just the the idea in its simplest form in a rough skeletal structure. Once we have that outline and we get it approved, um, if it needs to be, if we're doing a voiceover script, I'll use that outline to to draft a script or one of our writers here will use that outline to draft the voiceover script. Um, if we're not doing voiceover and it's interview-based, I'll take that outline and reverse engineer questions. So if that information needs to come out, you know, our technical support available 24 seven, you know, I'm going to turn that into a question of how, you know, what's your technical support availability like, you know? And so I kind of do that in a one-to-one and then flesh it out from there, but that's going to, that's going to set you up for your interview. And a lot of times, you know, usually we'll do a video where it's a single interview. If there's two interviews, you got to make two sets of questions. Um, And that's, that's going to depend on what the project is that you're doing, but that's kind of, those are like, those are the core documents is making an outline is like the most important thing because that that is the paper representation that we here at Gorilla and whoever we're making this video for, we're both aligned on what what this is going to look like, what it's going to, how long it's going to be, what it's going to cover. And so we have that. Then I'll draft interview questions or we'll have our script and we can go from there. Um, but moving, go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to say, so like, yeah, you've got your questions, but then like, we're not we're not all news anchors here. Um, the subject matter experts that we bring in to have, you know, to share their expertise and to like talk about the different things that we need to talk about in this content, or even sometimes the CEO, like they're, they're not great (laughs) on camera. Um, So like, how, like, are you going about that interview then in person to like, 
get them comfortable, get them to show up in the first place. I think that was a question that came early on is like, you know, we've got a big event coming up, but like people don't even want to talk about it because they're just too shy, camera shy. Um, So that sort of thing. I think, well, so first and foremost, uh, you should have an understanding of whether or not you're going to be interviewing or if whoever you're hiring to do your video work is going to be interviewing. A lot of times I feel like the person that you're hiring is doing the interview. I mean, in our situation as Gorilla, we're making these videos for our clients. And so I or one of our writers will be the one that's doing the interview. It makes it a little easier because you don't have the... There's no preconceived notions about it. Obviously, it's a little scary because I haven't necessarily met the president or whoever it is whenever I'm doing an interview with them. Um, But I mean, I guess the whoever you're hiring to do that interview they will have experience with that or should have experience with that. But if you're handling the interview yourself, um, that's a whole nother video, I think, or IML we could do. But I mean, my big thing is to like, try to try to be as nice as possible, you know, like anytime when you're meeting somebody. Um, But I always let them know that when we're doing this interview, the whole point is to make you look good. You know, this isn't a gotcha. We're not, it's not 60 minutes we need you to be as comfortable and to feel good about what you're you're talking about. Um, and I love reminding people that this will be edited. So if you mess anything up, we can go back. Um, you know, reminding them that it's low stakes and a camera and lights pointed at you will always be an intimidating thing unless you're, you know, professional on-screen talent. Uh, so being comfortable with letting them stop, take a break, get up, walk away if they need to, but just working with them and just try to be a, be a good conversationalist is kind of a good skill to have and not be afraid to give them the space that they need. Have water on hand, have a Kleenex to dab their forehead if they get a little sweaty. Um, but it's, it's you know, just be nice to them is kind of the, the easiest thing I would say. Uh, not that you wouldn't, but... Yeah, Sharifa yeah. In, the, in the chat said, um, start conversations off that are that are off topic um, to warm them up and get them comfortable. And then keep the questions rolling from there. And Grace followed up with like a suggestion of what'd you have for lunch? <laughs> you know, just like asking something there just to get them talking. Yeah. Um, that idea for sure. Totally. But um, yeah, I mean, with, with that kind of stuff, it's, it's just letting them know that you are on their side. You are there to only make them look good. There are no gotcha questions. And I guess this is worth mentioning too. I like if I'm interviewing somebody, I like for them to see the outline. I don't want them to memorize it. I don't they can read it once. I just want them to have context for what we're talking about. But I will not I I advise strongly to not ever give anybody your list of questions because people will inevitably try to like rehearse and memorize their responses for questions. And that can lead into a really stunted. They're trying to remember their lines and then beating themselves up because they said it so well in the mirror. But yeah, give them the outline so that they know what you're talking about. Always give them that courtesy, but keep your questions guarded. Great. So other things that have come up in the chat too have been like safety concerns, things to avoid. I think we've kind of covered on that a little bit of just like giving folks the opportunity to review. There's always going to be a review period, understanding that, um, you're going to discuss what can be captured on camera, what can't be, making sure that folks know that you're coming on a certain day so that they're ready, the shop floor is ready, the equipment is ready, especially if you're doing like a product film um, sort of thing, maybe off-site. Uh, 
Another big piece to that that I've seen from my own experience being on site at client shoots is you've got to have somebody like if you're hiring an external person um, to come in, you've got to be present to like kind of guide the shoot a little bit too. Like you can't just say, okay, well, you're in the door. We swiped the key card and now here you are um, sort of situation. I guess I'd like to hear Nick and, and maybe Brendan, you guys talk about your experience with that. Um, what has been like the best situation for you um, when you've come in as a third party mm-hmm. to in-house um, and, how, and how can like our in-house marketers set themselves up for success there? Yeah. Well, uh, I'll jump in real quick, Brendan, if you're good, but the, the big thing is like, yeah, plan your day around it. Not that you wouldn't be curious and wouldn't want to know what they're doing all day, but just plan to be there. Um, and there's going to be the thing that's always helpful is we have somebody that's with us moving with us and that they can kind of leapfrog ahead for us to kind of prep where we're going next. So a lot of times, you know, you're not just filming in one spot for them to be able to go to, um, you know, the, the go to the engineers in the office and say, Hey guys, we're going to be in here in about the next 15 minutes to start filming so that they can tidy things up or, you know, get that classified document off of their laptop screen. So we're not filming that just giving people a heads up to kind of set those expectations and moving forward that way. It also helps just to make sure, you know, Hey, there's someone there to say, Hey, we actually can't show that project. That project's sensitive. We're, we're not allowed to do that. Having people just ready to be there and, and make people feel a little more comfortable because otherwise, and a lot of times I just show up and I'm, I'm just a camera lens that's not talking, that's in someone's face. And it's really nice when there's a familiar face and other people that kind of make it feel a little less alien. I don't know, Brendan, your thoughts. Yeah. I'd say the other thing too, is whenever me and Nick are going on a shoot to our clients facilities, like we're not familiar with how everything's laid out in the, uh, on the shop floor. So we'll usually get a really quick tour for, you know, our, our point of contact, just say like, here's where the things are. Here's the important things that are going to be relevant to the shoot, right? And we've talked about this, you know, in the pre-production meeting, like these are the types of shots we want to get. All right. Well, these shots are going to be here, 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 and here. And it kind of helps Nick to kind of, you know, map out like how he's going to go and attack the shoot and, and get the shots that he needs. Uh, Cause you know, we only have a certain amount of time and we can't just like spend time just walking around, not getting shots. Um, yeah. So having a really quick, you know, 15, 20 minute tour of the facility of where we're going to be shooting um, to get us aligned on where we're going is, is really important to make sure that B-roll, B-roll shot segment goes really well. Mm-hmm. It also is nice because it kind of like, it's that nonverbal communication to everybody else there that, oh, hey, the, the video team's here. So they're kind of aware. They're now looking out for, for you to show back up. Um, and it's also, it gives us an opportunity. We always, I always schedule in like, you know, 15 to 30 minutes at the start of every shoot day one, we're going to need half an hour, at least 15 to haul equipment in. Um, and that's good to know when you're scheduling out your day, they got to get it out of the car into the, into the building and it's heavy and it's going to take a minute. Um, but walking around gives, gives whoever's filming a chance to kind of start pre-visualizing and thinking about what they do. And Hey, that's really cool. I want to make sure I get a shot of that. Or Hey, we'll need to worry about this if we're going to be filming over here for X, Y, Z reasons. But yeah, that's, that's always super helpful. Nick, we had a, a question in the chat from Carla and, you know, shooting in an industrial setting, there can be challenges, right? Uh, especially in terms of sound and lighting. So how do you overcome that so that you still get a good shot, 
but it's not overwhelming with, you know, rattling and clanging and like, you know, bright fluorescent lights. So how do you like, how do you go after a sheet like that? The one thing I don't ever worry about sound unless we're doing an interview, which is something you should consider before the shoot day. If you're interviewing somebody, I always tell people, we usually end up in a conference room, but I always look for what's a place that has a little bit of space for us to spread out and set up different light stands and have a little bit of depth because that'll make things look nice. Um, but also where's a spot with where the audio is not going to be so bad. Um, and we've had it, uh, it's sometimes the situation is what the situation is and you just kind of have to make things work. Uh, a lot of the videos that we do when you're doing something that's got a higher polish, there's a music bed that's playing throughout the whole video and you can kind of hide a lot of things underneath that. Um, but so, you know, if ideally where you're filming your interview doesn't share a wall with a restroom because of toilet the flush is the wrong moments. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which we've had. Uh, yeah. Ambiance. You know, what's that? <laughs> really sets up the ambiance, you know? <laughs> yeah, so ambiance is a good word. Yeah. I think like for some of these videos, like, yeah, mo most of the time a conference room or a quiet room is probably the best place for an interview. But sometimes like if you want to do a product thing, you want to be like, got the hand up on the product, right? Like here's the machine. Um, mm -hmm. Is there any way to capture good audio inside like like speaking audio inside a facility. Yeah. Um, I think it starts with, if you can, to get the word out, to tell people to hold the work while you're doing it. And that goes into scheduling. Uh, maybe you schedule it after everybody's done working for the day and you've got the two people that are integral for you to, you know, actually photograph that. Um, another thing is if there's a sound that you cannot get rid of, like it's just something we have to deal with. Like maybe, the, hey, that guy's not going to stop working on whatever it is that he's working on. A good um, rule is to show it in the background. And I don't mean highlight it, but if you frame it in a wide shot where you can see, you know, if, if we're in the corner of a building where the product is and somebody is not going to be able to stop working, trying to frame it to where you can see that, hey, in the background there, people are working. That will give your audience when they're watching the video, they, they're not wondering what it is. If you shoot it against a flat wall where they don't see anything, but you hear this hammering, you're going to confuse people. So like, if you can hear it, you should get some kind of include some kind of visual indication that you're going of seeing it. Um, that's, that's a really, really great idea. Um, set that, set up the context and make them more comfortable with like the maybe abrupt sound. Yeah. I mean, I know audio, oh, oh, go, go ahead. ahead. You go ahead. Okay. No, well, you. Um, uh, my best friend also, he's he's a videographer for another marketing agency, you know, and he and I, we've been doing stuff together for years um, professionally and then just like creatively on the side. And the joke between he and I is like audio is the filmmaker's curse because like nobody thinks about it until it's a problem. So before you have them there on the day, walk around your building and think, if I had to do an interview this afternoon, where would I want to set them up? And then go to that place and just stand there in silence for just a minute or two, just to hear what are the sounds that you're hearing? Is there an ice maker that's across the hall that I'm hearing or, you know, give it that consideration because otherwise you'll end up with something um, that you don't want. I didn't want to make a quick point before I forget it. Uh, that's important that me and Nick have run into is making sure you understand what the work schedule looks like. You know, if it's your facility, you probably have a good idea, but me and Nick have gone into places like, all right, we got this time set for B-roll. And then we're like, all right, let's go do B-roll. And everybody's on break. And it's like, well, okay, I guess we'll just wait until they're back. So it's like, you know, 15, 20 minutes. Or it's like, um, these guys are going home at three and we don't have a second shift today. So it's like, oh crap. So like we've had to like on the fly 
change up. Okay, we're going to do B-roll in the morning when people are working because we want to like get shots of people doing stuff. That's cool. It looks good on the video, right? And then we'll wait for the interview when people are, you know, when the point of contact's in the office, but everybody else is gone. Um, so having that conversation in the pre-meeting, like what does the actual work schedule look like so that we can make sure we get the best shots at the best time um, to maximize that shoot day? Yeah, totally. And yeah, that, that will happen. And that kind of brings me to the next thing is like, one of the biggest pieces of advice I could give everybody is that know that something's going to go wrong. It something always goes wrong. There will be something, and that's not bad. Um, you just have to adapt with it. Uh, but I've never done a shoot where there wasn't some kind of unexpected thing that's that's happened. Whoever you're working with will be ready to problem solve it. Um, just know that it's not the end of the world. It's it's never smooth sailing, but it'll be okay. We have an army saying for that. It's called Semper Gumby. Always flexible. <laughs> love it well i, I know we're, we're rounding out our time here um do we want to do a quick like rapid fire on post-production just expectations there um yeah. as far as like what you should especially if you're working with a third party like what you should be getting mm -hmm. from all yeah the, the biggest thing i would say for that is you know go at the start of it you should have some kind of idea of how many rounds of revisions you're getting um Typically, two, we do two rounds of revisions, um, and that's just to give an opportunity to make changes and to say, hey, that change isn't quite right. We need to fix it just a little bit more. Um, the goal is you're doing all the work in pre-production and you have good communication about what you want so that you don't have big you know, misalignments when you get into post. But you should expect and you should get a couple rounds of revisions to make sure you get to give input on it um, so they're not just handing you something that's finished. Um, but make sure you're talking about that beforehand. You should also have an expectation because you had the conversation in pre-production of how many deliverables you're getting. You know, I'm getting a version of this that's going on YouTube and I'm getting a version of it that's square to go in a social media feed. You know, have those conversations and be ready for those. Uh, and whoever is sharing, when you're getting a link to review, when you're looking at the piece, they should be setting expectations of what you're looking for, whether that's Hey, um, this is in kind of a rough state. We just want to make sure you're happy with, you know, the information we're presenting and that you like the song that we chose versus, hey, this is in a pretty polished state. So if a visual isn't looking right for you or, you know, something else, that's the wrong logo or something like that. Now is the time to give it. So they'll give you the expectations of what you should be looking at. Um, and don't be afraid to, to voice what you what you have. And, you know, a lot of times, uh, you know, it, it depends on who you're working with and what their skill set is, but you should have an idea of what to expect by the time you're looking at a, an edited piece. Luke had a great point in the chat. Don't send revisions to too many people, right? Because then you start running into like, you're going to get revision after revision after revision, and it's never going to end. You're never going to get a finished product. Then I'd say the other thing here too is remember who the audience is, right? The president of the company is not the audience. The audience is your customer or your prospects. Right. So make sure like, yeah, we want to make sure we encapsulate that those comments. But if it's like, I just don't like the way that looks, it's like, well, OK, that might be valid, but let's make sure it doesn't contradict what we're trying to do for the customer. Right. Like who the audience is. Right. So just make sure you're thinking about that at all times and don't just let, you know, top brass make the decision without you having some say in like making sure you're the voice of the customer in that in that production. Totally. And. You know, I don't like the way that looks is is valuable feedback, you know, to give someone. But you, the thing is, you need to take it one step further and articulate why. I don't like the way that looks because the desk is messy. Um, can we get a different shot or just remove that shot? Or, hey, that's there's different degrees. Um, and that's such a good point, Luke, about 
keeping it down to that. But And it's not bad to get multiple people's input. But the biggest thing is make sure that you're going through that list and deciding what needs to take, what the person needs to take action on. Um, Because otherwise, you get a lot of different comments and comments can go, can be at odds with each other. So make sure you're looking through that to where it's clear for, so they know what they need to do. Awesome. Okay. Well, I know we uh, try and keep these around 45 minutes, so I will, I'll I'll stop us there, but I will say that we've already commandeered some of Nick's time to talk more specifically about um, like going through this process with uh, like a product video. Um, And so Brendan and Aaron are going to sit down with Nick here in the coming weeks and, uh, We'll post that on um, our podcast, uh, The Manufacturing Marketer. Uh, Brendan, anything else to add there? No, we uh, we just had a great conversation with Andrew Hill, our current intern in the strategy department, about his experience. And we kind of talked about, you know, from the employer side of things, what can a marketing intern do for you? And then what can you do for the marketing intern to make sure that you set them up for a good career in marketing? So that conversation, uh, I think, is live now. Um, but yeah, that, that was a good conversation. And then, yeah, we're going to bring Nick on. We're going to more specific, more specifically into product videos and how to make a really good product video. And I saw that some folks asked for examples of uh, some of Nick's videos in the chat and some links have been shared. Um, but if anyone wants to share links of good videos that they have made or that they want to see some of uh, Nick's stuff, uh, feel free to join us in the Slack channel. Uh, If you want to join that Slack channel and you're not already in it, just drop a note in the chat and we will get you invited and we'll be glad to share some links there. Uh, And question in the chat. Oh, what are your top letterbox movies right now? (laughs) Uh, uh, Let's see. Dark of the sun. Fistful of dynamite. Mandy and I'm blanking on the fourth one. Well, there's three. That's good enough. Yeah. You can't, right, you can't go with any of those. Someone's going to have to define letterbox for me later, but that's all right. We'll Google it. Um, yeah. The, the last thing I'll say here is, um, you know, the, we're getting to the end of the year. Oh my gosh. Um, so our very last IML of 2023 is going to take place on December 21st. Um, so we, uh, typically do this, um, as a, ask me anything sort of episode. So if you want to come in and say, and talk to Brendan, myself, uh, all the gorillas here will be present and you can ask us anything about projects you're working on. Um, or anything, or anything anything. about his, uh, his history podcast that he runs or there are so many gorillas that have like separate podcasts on the side. It's pretty crazy. Um, so, uh, different things like that, we'd be glad to talk through. Uh, so bring your questions and uh, your holiday cheer, and we'll close it out for the year. A little rhyme for you, too. Um, but until then, we'll miss you, or we'll see you in Slack. So thank you, everyone, for your engagement today, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye, everyone. Everyone. And thank you, Nick. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man.